Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Once again, I just want to say Happy Mother's Day. Uh, we're so thankful for each and every one of you. As Mike uh, pointed out earlier, none of us would be here without you. Uh, and we're so thankful for that and so thankful for the part that each of y'all have played in our lives. Uh, I did also want to take a moment uh, just to, to say thank you to Tammy Martin. Uh, you might wave your hand if people don't know <laughs> who you are. Um, she is uh, over our hospitality team and has uh, for a while now been taking care of all the directions, uh, <laughs> decorations in the, in the foyer. Uh, she put up a little uh, balloon uh, picture background that's out in the foyer and has been doing a fantastic job with that. Um, if you like to decorate or if you just like to help decorate, you know, they, they can come up with a vision. They just need extra hands to help. But if you would like to help in that area or in our hospitality area with the, the coffee or the donuts or the different things that we have out there every Sunday, please get with Tammy, Tammy and she would love to help connect you to that. Yeah, thank you. Well, we uh, are finishing up this morning the series that we started uh, four weeks ago on our core values, and we've covered the Word of God, discipleship, and worship. And this morning, we're going to look at both uh, unity and integrity, the last two of our core values. My prayer is that these values are evident in the character of New Covenant Church, And that if you recently joined us or are looking for a church home, that you've gained a deeper understanding of who we are through this series. If you have missed some of those or maybe all of those messages, you can catch those on our website or uh, Facebook or our YouTube channel and and catch up on any one or all those messages that you may not have uh, been, been here for. Before we dive into these last two values, I want to take another look at our vision and mission statement. Our vision is that at New Covenant Church, we invite all people in the communities uh, where we live to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. And I just want to expand on that a little bit, that that, we believe, happens through relationship. God, first and foremost, called us to be in a relationship with him. Jesus said that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind and strength. And then the second commandment is like it, to love our neighbor as ourself. And so to, to know God, we have to spend time with him. We have to seek him through his word, in prayer, have a conversation with him. It's not a one-way conversation, it's a two-way conversation. We can talk to him, but then we listen to hear his voice. And our prayer is that when we hear his voice and what he is saying through the Holy Spirit, and Jesus said he wouldn't leave us alone, but he would send us a helper through the Holy Spirit. And he's the one that God speaks to us through and in our heart and in our mind. And when we hear that voice, we pray that we'll have the courage to respond. And we can do that in the relationship with him and then in our relationship with others. But we can't invite the people around us, whether it's our family, our coworkers, our friends, uh, anyone that is in our uh, realm of influence. We cannot invite them into a relationship that we don't have ourselves. And so, again, it's first going to God and then inviting others around us. And that is the vision of our church. We aren't here just for ourselves. We believe in the great commission that Jesus Christ called us to which was to go out into the world and to preach the gospel, to teach them everything that he commanded, to be disciples, to be baptized. Uh, As Pastor Mike mentioned earlier, that we're going to have baptisms the next two Sundays. We've already got multiple lined up, but we would love to have you take that first step, that first act.
act of obedience that Jesus Christ called us to after we come to faith, which is to be baptized. And that's how we walk in this process. And it is a process. The mission statement puts legs to our vision. It says that we exist to love God and love people by knowing Jesus who transforms our lives and sets us free. He is the only way for us to find freedom in this life. And we hear the voice of God which leads us to the way, the truth, and the life, which is Jesus Christ. And responding with faith and courage that leads us to discover his purpose in our lives. We believe that anything that God calls us to, anything that he is speaking to us, is going to be beyond our strength, beyond our abilities. When he calls us, it is absolutely going to require faith and courage. Because he's going to call us to participate with him in something that only he can do. And we believe that that is what he's doing throughout this world. And he will not do it apart from participating with the body of Christ. Our vision and mission statements are supported by our core values. And we'll be covering the last two core values, as I mentioned this morning, starting with unity. Unity can be defined as a condition of harmony. The quality or state of being made one. It can also mean agreement or unanimity, which means everyone is in total agreement. And that is not what we expect from everyone that has been called to be part of this part of the body of Christ. We're not asking that everyone be in total agreement in every matter. A quote that goes back at least to the 1600s regarding unity in the body of Christ describes it this way. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, love. I don't know. Oh, they they got it up there. Okay. This was late in the notes, so it wasn't originally up on the screen. So it's up there. Let me read it again. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, love. We're not asking, again, like I said, that everybody in the whole congregation be unified on every topic. What we are saying is in the essentials, that is what we would expect. If you're, if you're going to say you're going to walk with us and be a member of this body, one of those things, the very first thing that we spoke on was the Word of God. We believe this is the Word of God. We believe the whole thing is the Word of God. We don't pick and choose any passage and say, well, that wasn't part of it, or he didn't mean that, or we're going to, you know... Ignore that part, the entire thing. That's an essential. We don't, uh, we believe that Jesus Christ, as I mentioned earlier, is the only way, the only truth to a relationship with the Father. There is no other way to come to God. There is no other way to have our sins forgiven. There is no other way to fix the brokenness that is in us apart from Jesus Christ. That's an essential. We can't disagree with that and walk together as part of the body of Christ. So there are things that we're saying, yeah, that, we gotta be in total unanimity. When we're gonna be raptured isn't an essential. If you think that the end of the world's gonna come and we are gonna go before the tribulation, or maybe in the middle of the tribulation, or maybe at the very end, it really doesn't matter. It's gonna happen when it's gonna happen. And you may have great reasons and research for why you believe what you believe. Fantastic. But it's not an essential. You can believe differently on that topic than I do, and we can still walk together in unity in what God has called us to accomplish in his kingdom. 
And so that's just a, an easy, simple example that would describe those two differences. Our statement of, on unity is that we value unity, not conformity. Each of us are called and gifted by God. Our desire is to walk in each of our unique callings to serve God with respect for one another, in relationship with one another, and recognizing that each of us is part of one body and one team. Unity does not happen naturally. Whether we're talking about a marriage or a team, co-workers, or the body of Christ, we have to work and strive together to have unity. One of the ways that we can help foster an environment of unity is to have respect for one another. Respect can be defined as an act of giving consideration or special regard. In Romans chapter 2, verse 11, in the King James Version, it says, For there is no respect of persons with God. We, we, this would seem to counter what I'm saying, that we need to have respect for one another. But then this verse says that there's no respect of persons with God. Your version of the Bible may say, God shows no partiality. And there's a difference between that and the way we're supposed to treat each other and properly respect one another and what the world might define as respect. What this verse is saying is that God doesn't look at a person's status or their wealth or their physical appearance or other outward things that we often make assumptions or judgments on when we look at other people. When we do that, we are not showing them respect. We're showing them partiality. And when we show partiality, there are usually selfish motives involved. Usually underneath it all, we're thinking, maybe I can use that to benefit me. If I show them respect or partiality, I'm going to benefit from their wealth, from their beauty, from whatever characteristic that they have on the outside. And it's not about respecting them. It's about using them. And God doesn't use people. He doesn't show that kind of partiality. He sees what's inside our heart. There's another passage in 1 Samuel 16, 7 that shows God's heart on this matter. He was speaking to the prophet Samuel when uh, King Saul was going to be replaced by King David. And that when Samuel went to go find David, he saw all the other brothers and was thinking they looked better. They were more handsome. They were older. They had other characteristics. But this is what God told Samuel. He said, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Both of these passages get the same idea across. We're called to show respect and give consideration to one another, not because of their position or outward appearance or what they can do for us, but because God has called us to love him and to love one another and to walk together in unity. True respect honors the person because they have inherent value. They were created in the image of God. If we work to love one another and give consideration and special regard, we will be taking leaps and bounds toward walking in unity with one another. Paul, in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, wrote, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We have all been called. 
You have been called. You are part of the body of Christ. I want to give an example uh, before we go into really jumping into what the body of Christ really means. Um, just on unanimity, since I've, since I've brought that up as a topic, there is one area uh, at the church that we do practice unanimity. And there's one place that I would say in your life that you need to work on practicing unanimity. In our elder board, uh, we're, we believe the Bible is clear that church government is best uh, run in order, being top down from God to elders, to the senior pastor, and then to the leadership of the church. And we have five men, including myself, that operate in the office of elder here. Every decision that we have made, and this goes in the eight years almost that I've been here, and I know in the years prior to that, we have not made a single decision that was not in total unanimity. Now, does that mean that we've always been immediately in unanimity? No. We've had many conversations where we were talking about an issue and we weren't on the same page. Sometimes it might have been, uh, previously we had another one, so it might have, we had six. So it might have been one to five or two to four or three to three or whatever. But we were never voting on it. We were just discussing it. And every discussion is about taking that matter before the Lord and saying, God, what would you have us do? Where would you have us go? And every time, if we could not come to an agreement, if we weren't in unanimity, we would say, well, we're going to pray about it some more. Because we believe that God is calling us to do one thing on one path, and he says one thing. So as we are leading the church, we believe if we are hearing God's voice, we're all going to hear the same thing. And we've had instances where the one, it's not always about bringing the one to the five or now the one to the four. There's been multiple times that the, the four have come to the one. Because when we prayed and we sought the Lord, that was what he was saying. And so it's not about being right or what we want, where we all come together in an attitude of, Lord, we just want to do what you're calling us to do. And we're going to ask you until we can get on the same page. And uh, the second place that I would say in your your lives that I would uh, encourage you to have unanimity is in your marriage. If you and your spouse are talking about something or working through an issue and you are in a disagreement, don't just go forward. Pray. Continue to ask God. I guarantee you, in your family, in your home, in your marriage, God is speaking one thing. And if you will listen to his voice and hear it, eventually you will get on the same page. Have patience. Wait. Very seldom does a decision have to be made immediately. And in the, my wife and Candy and I, she was, uh, her and Allison were here in the first service, uh, but we've almost been married 25 years. And in that 25 years, there's been two occasions where we couldn't come to an agreement and where a timetable was involved that a decision had to be made. Those are the only two instances that I've ever had to make a decision as the, you know, the word where say where I'm the head of the household. That is not something to be used lightly, men. And I was not happy about either one of those. I was actually in turmoil. But the word says, ladies, if you will submit to that, even if your husband's wrong, you're okay. You're in the will of God. It's your husband that's going to be dealt with by God. That's not a light. I'm telling you, I, it was not joyous occasions where I'm like, I'm the boss. I'm going to do what I want to do. No. I was like, dear Lord, please let me be hearing your voice. Because the decision has to be made, and right now it's on my shoulders. So again, those two places I would strongly, strongly urge you. Be in unanimity. 
But as I mentioned earlier, in this size of a body, there's no way on every topic, on every issue, that we're all going to be 100% in agreement. But in the essentials, we got to be in agreement. In the non-essentials, let's work with each other in love and care and regard, respecting each other without partiality. 1 Corinthians 12 Verses 12 through 14 is a beautiful example of how unity in the body of Christ should work. Paul wrote these words. He said, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all who were were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. I would encourage you to read and take time this week to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I would also encourage you just to go on through chapter 13 because 13 is the love chapter. And we need to know that to be in unity as well. Paul goes on to say each and every part of the body is necessary and each part depends on the others. We're uniquely gifted to work together for different purposes. In verse 24, Paul makes it clear that God composed the body. And while he's using our physical body as an example, he was talking about the body of Christ. So that there would be no division in the body. God's intent was for the members of the body of Christ to care for one another. We actually got the inspiration uh, for the term, and, and I read that a moment ago in the in the core value of unity and integrity, that one of our things is uh, one body, one team. And that comes from that passage. And the body part is speaking about we're all part of one body, the body of Christ. And New Covenant Church is not the body of Christ. Even as a whole church, we're one small part. And there's other small parts throughout this community who are doing a fantastic job of following the Lord and and doing the work of the kingdom in this community. And it takes all of us working together to accomplish what God would have us do in Lampasas and the larger body to accomplish what he's doing in Texas and the larger body to do what he's doing in our nation and the larger body to do what he's doing throughout the world. And we're just one small piece of that, but we work together. And that next term of the one body, one team is saying that whatever God has called you to do, you're part of the team. And there is no higher or lower importance. And that's what Paul goes into very detail in that passage. He says, should the eye despise the hand or the ear despise another part and say, well, I'm the most important thing. The brain, tell the heart, I don't need you. Every part of the body needs the other parts of the body to function together in unity. And when they all work together, what is meant to be accomplished gets accomplished. I can tell my brain can tell my body right now to go and pick up my Bible. It takes my body being in submission to that command to do that. And there are literally millions of things that have to happen. It sends, you know, we know that there's electrical signals that get sent. Even to move my hands like I'm moving now, things are happening. Thousands or millions of things are working together to just do these actions. And I've got to tell my legs and my feet and all those muscles to walk in this direction and to pick this up and to fulfill the command that my brain sent to my body because I wanted that action to happen. 
every one of those parts that we don't, we can't even, we know at a high level how that works. We can't comprehend what just happened in my body to make that happen. It's that complex and that complicated, but it works because all those parts work together in unity. Do you know what the Bible says is the head of the church? The brain of the church? Jesus Christ. The head of the body of Christ is Jesus Christ. And if we know him, if we hear his voice, and if we respond to that, the entire body of Christ throughout the world before us now and that's going to come works together to accomplish what Christ has said we're supposed to do. Working together in unity. And one part's not better than the other. One part's not uh, of more value or honorable. Every part is necessary for the body to function. If God has called you to be on our worship team or in our hospitality team or a greeter at the door or in the nursery ministry or in the children or nowhere in these four walls, if he's called you to to start a business and be evangelistic through your business or he's called you right now to be the mother to your children in your home and raise them like God has called you to raise them, that's what we want to support you in as the body of Christ. And none of those callings are more important. But we know that you have been called. We have all been called to follow him and walk together in unity. And as brothers and sisters of Christ, we need to support each other and walk together in that calling. And we do it by hearing his voice and responding. Does all that mean that we'll never have issues and disagreements in the body? Absolutely not. But he said there's a way to handle it. And this is just one of many passages on how we can handle disagreements. Colossians 3, 13 through 14 encourages us with these words. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Put on love. Forgive one another. Bear with one another. Show some accommodation. Not partiality. Respect for one another. That word perfect harmony means unity, even perfection. That we can work it out. We can bear with one another and forgive one another as we have been forgiven. And like I said a minute ago, read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and keep going into chapter 13 because it talks about that love that we're supposed to have for one another as part of the body of Christ. Well, now let's take a look at our statement on integrity. We value integrity. The definition and demonstration of integrity is character. Integrity is character that truly comes from the heart, that is resolute. We value being trustworthy and accountable before God and before one another. And we want to be a people of honor. Integrity, character, and honor. These words could all be simply summed up as we will do what we say. To be a person of our word. In Matthew 5.37, Jesus said, Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. 
Simply following through with what we say is being a person with integrity. You, you know, you could have integrity and not be a believer and, and actually not do anything good or righteous that God would want you to do because, like I said, it's just being integrity with what you say and who you are. If you say, I'm going to go out and do what I want, how I want, when I want, and I'm going to treat people, you know, however I have to treat them to get what I want and, uh, you know, respect them in the way that we said not not correctly, but saying I'm going to only value them for what I can get from them, and that's what I say and that's what I do, I have integrity. I follow through. My yes is yes and my no is no. But we need to be have integrity and following the Lord. We need to say what we're going to do and do it. And hopefully we're hearing God's voice and what he's saying and submitting to his will and following through with that with integrity. Did you know objects are even described as having integrity? It means they're whole or solid. If a ship has integrity, it means it's seaworthy. It means that the hole is going to keep water on the outside. And that everything that is part of it is functioning properly in order to do what it was intended to do. It accomplishes what it was created to accomplish. It has integrity. In Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32, Jesus shares a parable on this topic. He asks, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And then he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. And Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. The sinners heard the truth and changed and became Men and women of integrity following God. And Jesus says the doors were opened wide. But the people who thought they were already righteous and in no need of salvation, even after seeing that, still chose not to follow him. So the the first son, even though he responded verbally wrong by being obedient and humbling his will to the will of the father, was the one in that situation that showed integrity. It's easy, it's so easy to say the right thing. But integrity is when you actually do it. We desire to be part of the body of Christ that honors God with our lips and with our hearts and with our actions. What we do says more about who we are than what we say. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Just like unity, integrity doesn't just happen on its own. It's a character trait that we have to value and work toward. 
We are presented with the opportunity over and over, literally every single day. If you'll take a moment at the end of each day to think back through it, I guarantee you there was an opportunity where you had the ability to either be a person of integrity or not. Over and over and over we're tested in that manner. And we have to choose to participate with Jesus Christ in our life to be the person of integrity that he's called us to be. 2 Corinthians 8.21 makes it clear that we are involved in this process. He says, For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And that phrase, we aim, means to provide for, to think beforehand, to take thought or care of, to consider in advance. We are encouraged literally to plan to be men and women of honor, of integrity. Not only in the Lord's sight, but in the sight of those around us. We're going to read this same verse in two other translations just to see that full picture. It says, For we take thought beforehand and aim to be honest and absolutely above suspicion, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. For we take pains to do what is right, not only in the sight of God, but also in the sight of other people. We take thought beforehand. We make plans. How can I make sure that I act in integrity, with honor, doing what's right before God and before men? And the only answer is to ask God for help. And he says he will always be with us. He's always willing to help us, to walk with us, to accomplish that miraculous work in us that he can only accomplish. It's by grace and mercy, not through our actions that anyone can boast. He does that work that only he can do. But we have to participate with him. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 also gets this idea across. It says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Think about it. Think about the next step you're going to take and where your foot is going to land. And then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. We're not called to walk aimlessly through life. We're called to be a people of God who walk together in unity and integrity. And we can't accomplish these things on our own. We begin to mature in Christ when we spend time with Him, when we walk with Him, when we talk with Him, seeking to know, hear, and respond to Him. And we don't do it alone. We're called to walk together with each other. With our brothers and sisters in Christ. As one body. I just ask that as we close in worship and prayer here in a moment, that you consider what the Holy Spirit may be speaking to your heart. Because He is speaking. Not because any of my words are special. The only words that have been said that were special this morning were the Word of God. Any scripture that he spoke, the the word says the Holy Spirit brings his word alive. So I know he was speaking this morning and he was speaking to you. Be open to what you heard him say and respond. 
I want to invite the ministry team together to come forward this morning. And as we close here in a moment in prayer, once we're done, I just invite you to join with them in prayer. One of the ways that we can walk together as the body of Christ is to agree together in prayer. We can agree to ask God together for what we need, for what this world needs, for what your children needs, for what your marriage needs. And He has promised He will be with you and answer you. And we as a body can encourage one another and pray for one another. Will you bow your head with me as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank You. We thank You for Your Word. Your written Word. Your living word, Jesus Christ. And your spoken word, Lord. What you're speaking to us right now. I pray that our hearts would be open to hear what you're saying. And that we would respond to the head of the body of Christ. Jesus Christ himself. Give us the boldness to step out and be obedient to what you're calling us to do. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Father, I thank you that you had the perfect plan. We're not walking in plan B. We're walking in plan A. Lord, you are seated on your throne. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you are victorious now and forever. Father, I pray that the body of Christ, the entire body of Christ, would walk before you, Lord, in unity and integrity that we would hear your voice and respond, Lord, and that, that we would be amazed by what you do through your body. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The ministry team will be up here for a few more minutes. If you have a need, uh, you're still able to come forward. Thank you. God bless you, and happy Mother's Day. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 